ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another enlightening episode of Simplifying Life with Kashira. Today I'm being joined by a remarkable person. I have been really excited for this conversation today. And her name is Liz Cashin. Liz is a TEDx speaker. She is a global inspiration, award-winning public speaker. And she's also on a mission to empower women in entrepreneurship and leadership to overcome the fear of self-doubt. I mean, this is something we all deal with every day. And not only women, you know, self-doubt is something which has literally been a big impediment in so many people's journey. And sometimes I really feel is that if there is no self-doubt, if there is no fear, our lives would have been so beautiful. <laughs> All right. So I we, hear this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's the inner voice. And uh, so let's get started by delving into your life journey. And we, I would really love to know that how has been your background and what really drove you to become an author and a speaker with the focus on mental well-being and self-worth? Mm -hmm. Well, I had a very difficult childhood. That's the, the long and short of it. And I think that's really what drives my passion because everything that I've learned in how to move from self-doubt in myself through to unshakable self-worth is now everything that I'm passionate about sharing with other women because... I think, as you said, so many of us, and there was a, a global survey recently done by the body shop, and they said that one in two women worldwide doubt themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's the statistics, but I wonder if it might even be higher than that. So I want to speak about it because I think so many of us women, we are struggling with self-doubt, yeah. but if you're like me, I used to think that everyone else was, you know, really confident and really had strong self-worth and that it was just me that was really struggling. And what I've realized now is that that's not the case. You know, the women that I work with, the women that I speak to, um, you know, we're all going through our own struggles in different ways. And there's some things that I've learned, particularly how we create our sense of self as children. And how that then impacts on our self-worth and and those feelings of self-doubt as an adult. And we might not know that. We might just struggle as an adult mm -hmm. and not realize where those feelings are actually coming from. Mm -hmm. So um, so part of my mission, I suppose, is helping to uh, shine some light on that so that people... Because once you have awareness... Mm -hmm then you can do something about it. But while you're just struggling, while you're just doubting yourself, while you think it, you're the only one or that you should be able to put yourself together or you know you should be able to go for these promotions or pay rises or get these new clients or feel, um, feel more worth in relationships, a lot of these shoulds we have in our minds, I think, and what I'm helping to do is demystify it and say, right, this is this is how it's all 
started yeah. and actually there is something you can do about it you can change it that's the great news that's, that's so true and uh, i can say from my own experience liz because uh, uh, so when i was studying you okay i was trying to get to know you more so it helps us out in our conversation today i did come across couple of things wherein i think there was some podcast you appeared in and i was listening to it you spoke about Uh, how your childhood has been really traumatic with your family conditions and everything and while listening to you i could relate with my childhood so that has not been really good you know uh, i would say mostly leaning towards the traumatic side and even today you know i could feel it very strongly that somewhere the roots of self doubt uh, the anxiety depression the foundation was laid in the childhood and though those days are gone long back but still somehow that keeps on coming back in different life events it keeps on getting triggered does it happen with you uh, i know you you have come over a long time from your childhood and in dealing with your mental journey but does it happen with you that through some life events it gets triggered and you really you know get boggled with anxiety yeah i think because i lived with trauma for so long without understanding that that's what was going on i think the roots do go very deep within me and so yeah i get i do get triggered sometimes but the difference now is i'm aware of what's happening mm-hmm. and i've got the tools that i can use to help myself or i'm not afraid to reach out to get a bit of professional support if i feel like i need that again and i think that's really important to to know that i don't think there's this end point mm-hmm. you know that suddenly um everything is you know we become like the dalai lama and we become enlightened maybe at some point in some lifetime but i think for most of us um who are in this lifetime and you know taking those steps mm-hmm. that we're human beings and from the nature of that we're going to have sometimes where we're feeling really good and then other times where we're not feeling so good and for me trying to bring a balance in is key no matter what is is going on so you know the things i've learned like mindfulness for example that have absolutely transformed my mental health and that i can draw on day to day and that help me to maintain more of a balance so it's not so much a roller coaster ride as it used to be it's to be like oh you know i sort of blown around and you know felt like i didn't have any control really whereas now i feel like i've got the tools to regain control mm-hmm. um a lot more easily mm-hmm. and a lot quicker than i did mm-hmm. before Liz, when you said that uh, there are times when we don't feel good, there are highs and lows. Yeah. Do you think these lows are mostly because we get over concerned about what will happen in the future, whether we'll mm-hmm. get what we want in our lives? Do you think it is more about doubting our aspirations and whether we'll reach there, and that's why that uh, keeps on triggering the anxieties? Mm-hmm. Well I think if we go back to childhood for a second I think you know where where it all starts is we have a need for attachment as children so that's in order for us to survive we need to attach to our primary caregivers or parents or whoever is is taking care of us mm-hmm. and then we have our authenticity our authenticity is in essence who we are mm-hmm. and there comes a conflict where 
we have to sacrifice our authenticity mm. in order to keep attaching to the parents. So, for example, if we have parents who aren't able to meet our emotional needs, mm. you know, we have a need for belonging, we have a need for acceptance. So if, our, if we don't feel safe with our primary caregivers mm. or if we have to do things in order to be loved, well, that's how it seems to us, it sets up these really unhealthy patterns mm-hmm. um, in our lives. So we feel like we have to people please, or we feel like we've got to be perfectionists. Yeah. We feel like we've got to control everything. All of these things can be dysfunctional patterns as a result of trying to get our needs met from our caregivers. So that's where um, our authenticity, so who we are and um, how we show up in the world we sacrifice that for the needs of other people. That that is that can be where it starts. It also means that perhaps we don't um, we don't go for what it is that we really want because maybe we don't believe we're going to get it. Yeah. Maybe maybe we believe we're going to be rejected, as we were as children. You know that we were rejected. Maybe we had people who dismissed us or laughed at us as children. They didn't. Um, you know, they didn't support us and help us to believe in our dreams, help us to believe in our goals. And so all of these things, if they happen to us as children, they're going to going to stunt us as adults. So every time you're going to go for something you really want, internally, there'll be a defense mechanism that yeah. perhaps stops you in your tracks. It's like, don't go there. They're going to laugh at you. They're going to reject you. You know, you're going to, uh, you're going to fail because all of this was set up when you were younger and you're, most of the time, we're not even aware of, you know, without actually consciously looking inside and processing what's inside. We don't know that. All we know is every time we go to step up, we feel this anxiety yeah. and we stay small. That's all we know. We know our reaction. And so the key is to starting to look a bit closer. Yeah. Like, where did this reaction start? What was that all about? Um, who 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 stopped you as a child? Who ridiculed you as a child? All of these, you know, different things that we can look at, but they're what's actually stopping us now as adults mm-hmm. from believing in ourselves, for, for, for having that unshakable self-worth. We're doubting ourselves because adults doubted us as yeah. children and we believed them. Yeah. Because we had to survive, we had to stay attached to them, so it's yeah. much actually safer as children to believe that you're the problem than to believe that your primary caregiver is the problem. Because if your primary caregiver is the problem, then there's a big problem because you've got to survive and you need them to be able to support you. So a lot of children, it's very clever what we do, but it's actually very destructive for ourselves, is we say, okay, I must be the problem. Well, that's much better Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of my long-term safety. But actually, what it what we then do is really turn against ourselves. We reject ourselves. I think that's the most painful thing that I've come to realise in my journey um, of empowerment is that I had completely rejected myself. And that was incredibly painful to realise and, and to feel, but actually I had to get there in order to embrace that younger me and, and really uncover the lies you know, that I had believed growing up um, and that weren't true about me.
I can so much relate with each and every word you are saying. And hmm. sometimes I, I really feel, you know, as you rightly said, that when we are kids, and if we have not had right kind of upbringing, you know, if things were traumatic uh, in the family with parents, it gets really difficult to live every day and have nice memories. So that sense of mm-hmm. belonging, that attachment, you somehow miss from your childhood. So I think when we grow up, we expect it from our partners. We expect it, you know, uh, to the person we're getting married, our girlfriend, boyfriends. Uh, and if we do not get that kind of support from them, I think that is another potential mm-hmm. trigger that can actually take you back and it can, you know, really crumble all your confidence and get you in that complicated anxiety because then again you start feeling as you rightly said that you start feeling that oh maybe I'm not good enough so I think you know it's like when you grow up you really have those dreams that okay I should have a good partner somebody who can support me in my good and bad highs and lows and when it doesn't happen that that can become really difficult And actually, those relationships can then mirror our early relationships. Yes. That's often what happens. Somebody, uh, I heard somebody once said to me, if we don't deal with what's in our unconscious mind, we either marry it or we give birth to it. Yeah. Yeah. And so we still face that mirror. We still face those triggers until we deal with what's inside. Because I had a very abusive, um, mentally abusive Uh, stepdad when I was growing up and even when he was out of my life he was still in here I'd internalized him Mm. and his mental abuse inside of me so I actually didn't need him to be physically present anymore I was just mentally abusing myself every day you know I was criticizing myself judging myself I was holding myself back I was you know, berating myself, calling myself a failure or Mm. stupid or Mm. whatever the things that he'd said to me are the things that I was then saying to myself Mm. inside of myself. And and that's what happens. Or we meet it in a partner. Suddenly it seems like our partner is uh, being abusive towards us. But actually, if we haven't dealt with that internal abuse, we're going to keep meeting it. We're going to keep projecting it out into the world. Uh, But that's... Although that's very painful to live like that, it's also really empowering to realize that because then you can take your power back. You can do something about it. You can heal yourself. You can look at these patterns, these beliefs, these conditioning, and you can change them. Yeah. 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 And I'm living proof. So I know that it is possible. And, you know, I was really deeply traumatized. So I think my message is if, if I can do it, then you know, other people yeah. really can do it as yeah. well. Yeah, that that's a really powerful and important message to tell people that uh, you're not alone, you know. This is a really important, as you said that, now because you know about right tools and techniques to deal with such situations, maybe, you know, your turnaround time from your triggers would be faster than it was before and without knowing about these uh, helpful tools and techniques you could share some of the experiences, some practical tips which you have applied in your life to overcome your anxieties. Maybe it could help someone listening to us. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I as I said earlier, I think mindfulness, the practice of mindfulness, is is everything really mm-hmm. along this journey. Because without awareness, mm-hmm. then we're going to keep uh, facing these triggers. We're going to be triggered. Mm-hmm. We're going to react to things. We're going to still get upset. We're going to still feel that doubt. We have to first of all become aware of what's actually happening mm-hmm. inside of us. And I would suggest you know, getting some support with that from somebody, a coach um, or a therapist or somebody to help you mm-hmm. to, to start to recognize, especially if you've been very traumatized, yeah. absolutely get some professional support. But also wanted to say as well, I've talked about me being traumatized, but actually, you know, it could just be that somebody didn't get their needs met as a child, mm-hmm. but they still think that they had a good childhood. Mm-hmm. But because they didn't get their needs met, they still had to compromise their authenticity. It's still going to be impacting them as an adult. So you don't need to be have think you've been deeply traumatized for these for these things to, to still have impacted you. I think the way to know it is if you doubt yourself and your abilities, something's happened. Mm-hmm. So somebody's planted that seed and you've believed it at some point. Mm-hmm. So the first step is that awareness, becoming aware. And what I've learned to do is because we have this image, uh, Kishira, that we put to the world and we can really try hard to make that appearance look fabulous. You know, on social media, our lives look great and we've got the best partner and the great holidays and the lovely clothes and, and all of this. But actually inside, we might be falling apart. You know, we might be feeling really... Um, really low self-worth and and really not liking ourselves. So the next step for me is learning to accept all parts of us. So not just putting on this front to the world. I mean, I'm speaking to you today about parts of my life that I've felt a lot of shame around for a long, long time. You know, the books that I've written, the TEDx talk, were all things that I would never have shared with anybody at one point. But now I'm sharing publicly with the world because what I've realized is shame only really exists in silence. Mm -hmm. So we need to start to talk about things in order to to heal them. Mm -hmm. And what we need to understand is those parts of us that we are shoving into a corner that we really don't want other people to see. We want everyone to think our lives are perfect. It's those parts, actually, that we need to turn towards. Yeah. And that we need to really start to look at from a compassionate lens with kindness and empathy and really start to listen to what they've got to tell us. Because I was terrified to look inside myself. I I thought I was evil. I thought I deserved to be punished. You know, really, really destructive beliefs. And yet I was trying to pretend to the world that everything was okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when when I started to look inside, what I realized was just traumatized parts of me that were stuck as children Mm -hmm. that didn't get the love that they needed back then that now I'm able to give them that love I know that sounds a bit strange but it's never too late to to start to love those parts of ourselves and then as I did that then I started to um, feel much more complete much more whole there's no parts of me that I'm trying to push away so there's a sort of rela- relaxation with that. I can just be me. I can be yeah. authentic. Yeah. And it doesn't have to look perfect. It can look messy. That's okay. Yeah. Sometimes I might struggle. That's okay. Yeah. Sometimes I'm going to feel fantastic. That's okay. 
it's all okay. So it's about accepting all those parts of me and all those parts of everyone else. And, you know, we're all just doing the best we can. Yes. Um, with where we're at right now. I so echo with you on that. Really powerful. And I think that gives a different kind of a power to us the moment we start accepting us as a whole and we start acknowledging and saying that, okay, this is who I am. I am good, I am bad, I have highs and lows and all those, you know, messy things. I am this person. And I think you're so right in saying that we keep on hiding our real selves away in the corner. And yeah. that's why sometimes we feel that added pressure on our shoulders, that we have to shoulder so many responsibilities. And one of the key responsibilities becomes to look perfect all the time. <laughs> but if you're actually able to be authentic and be, you know, confident in showing that, okay, this is who I am, okay? Maybe I'm not good in this. Maybe I'm not good in that. But this is me who as a person I am. I am doing yeah. good in many fields. And I think uh, this is really powerful. One thing which I think everybody should take away is like, just accept yourself the way you are. Accept your partner the way they are with all their goods and bads. You never know, you know, you may be able to heal somebody by just accepting them the way they are, by accepting yourself the way you are. This is really powerful. Absolutely. I think, you know, sometimes it looks such a simple thing, like accepting yourself. It's just a basic thing. But when yeah. you look at it with that lens, you realize that how important it is and how much we ignore it in today's time. Well, we're so busy trying to be perfect, you yeah. know, social media, the media, always trying to sell us something, something else, something else we need in order to have the perfect life. You know, we need to, so many people having surgeries and, mm -hmm. you know, designer things and you've got to have the next thing and the best thing in order to, yeah, yeah. none of that. You don't need any of that. We are born worthy. We are absolutely born worthy. There's nothing we need to do. Yeah. There's nothing we need to prove. We are worthy. It's just our mind creates these beliefs or this conditioning that says that we're not. But actually, we are. So it's a, it's more a process of an unraveling and uncovering because yeah. we already are it. Yeah. We just need to allow ourselves. And we don't need to be, you know, happy in order to be worthy. And this is where, as children, we think, say, if we're angry, we didn't get our needs met. We, would, we thought that we had to try and pretend to be happy in order to be loved. None of that is true. We yeah. just need to be ourselves. We need to accept ourselves. Yeah. And the, the amazing thing is, I used to look for validation from mm -hmm. anyone and everyone. Mm -hmm. Please validate me. Please tell me I'm okay. Please love me. And actually, that was painful because I felt like it was a rejection. But now, I just need me to validate myself. I just need me to accept myself and love myself. Yes. And that's it then. And the ironic thing is, now I get much more of that back from other people because I, I don't need it from them anymore. So one thing is what we've learned is to accept ourselves, to accept our partners the way they are. Uh, to add to that, Liz, I really feel that, you know, sometimes when we just say out our real feelings the way they are to somebody really close, somebody whom we can confide in, it helps us in releasing that pressure which we have held within ourselves like when we just talk about it 
So mm-hmm. I think that really helps us out. And uh, one thing which I have seen a lot missing in today's time is that people don't have people to talk about their problems. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, as you said, uh, there, there are so many people out there on social media, but uh, there's hardly anybody real to be able to mm-hmm. listen to you and to be able to keep your secrets as a secret. It becomes really difficult. I think there is a thin line. You know, sometimes when we feel like that, okay, you know, I'm getting really stressed out, I'm getting anxious, I want to talk to someone. And uh, even from your limited list of contact, you cannot confide in anyone with that kind of confidence that you can share that inner feelings with them. It gets really difficult that in today's time, we are running short of real connections to say out things. Absolutely. And I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think that's what we all long for is real connection. Mm -hmm. And yet we're terrified of it. Most of us are terrified of it. And we've got all this protection to stop us from actually having a real authentic connection because then we're going to have to access our feelings. And so many people are afraid of their feelings. Uh, They're afraid what will happen if they feel their feelings. But actually, that is the route to our freedom. We have to feel things. We have to feel things in order to move through them, in order to be free of them. And so I think the other thing I wanted to say was we can't change anyone else. We absolutely cannot. As much as we want to, as much as we love someone else, and believe me, I've tried it with people in my life in the beginning. I thought, oh, I just wanted them to know what I knew so that they could change. They didn't want to change. And, you know, I really had to accept that. I accept them as they are, as we were saying earlier, yeah. and and that that's you know that that's okay. The only person I can change is me, and I take full responsibility for that. Yeah. And when I talk to people about my feelings, I own them. So I would say I've been feeling this way rather than you've made me feel like this. Yeah. And that way, you can have uh, a more open and honest conversation if you're not blaming someone else, because actually no one else can make you feel anything. Yeah. I know that seems really strange because it seems like someone is making us angry or it seems like somebody has upset us, but actually it's an in, that's what we're doing. From what they've said, we are now feeling upset and we can change that if we want to. Yeah, 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 true, very true. And uh, that is actually reminding me of a very uh, interesting uh, line. I was watching some podcast a couple of days ago and there was this lady, uh, I'm skipping her name. She said that uh, in today's time, it is very easy to find shelter, very easy to find clothes and food, but extremely difficult to find real connections. Mm. And it was like, she is so right and this is what we are going through in these times oh my god and i i really wish from the bottom of my heart that people do have at least that one person they can confide in and uh, they can let out their inner self because this is really important howsoever strong we are there outside in the world but you do you do need that one person to be vulnerable in front of them and yes yes and it can be a a friend a family member or a professional you know someone if you have to pay someone that's still okay you know if you go to therapy or a coach or um anybody like you say who you can trust that's the key thing you only need one just one person but 
if you know Brené Brown, she's amazing. She's done great TED Talks on shame and vulnerability. And yeah. Um, yeah, I just love what she says about vulnerability, how it's a strength, yeah. how allowing ourselves to be vulnerable actually is a strength. It's not a weakness, but we've been taught growing up that it's a weakness, you know, don't show your vulnerability. Yeah. But actually when we own that, it can be a real strength. And actually that's the key to connection with us. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. Let's turn our attention to your work as a public speaker. So you have been a TEDx speaker and uh, I did hear that speech about uh, that unfortunate day in that sports field, what happened mm -hmm. to your friend and uh, how you went to different places and then how you got diagnosed with PTSD. I mean, that was something, uh, it was difficult to deal even when I was listening as an audience and I could completely feel how you might have gone through with that. Is your book... Yeah. Uh, based on that incidence and how you came out of that in your mental well-being? Yes, it's exactly that. So it's it's the story of um, my early trauma with my stepdad mm -hmm. and how I started to create these very sort of negative beliefs about myself. I was unlovable. There was something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. It's It shows you how I created those beliefs. And then... Uh, what you were mentioning there was a, you know, a very tragic accident that I went through at 13 yeah. at school in which I, I felt responsible for the death of a friend of mine. And it was just devastating because there was no help back then to try and come to terms with it. No mental health support, no counselling, no therapy. And so as a 13-year-old, I was just left with this really deep trauma and trying to make sense of it. And of course, there is no sense for something that's a tragic accident. And it really um, negatively impacted me for decades because what I realized now is that I was living with undiagnosed post-traumatic stress disorder. So, you know, it, it, it impacted me in so many ways. I kept pretending to the outside world that I was okay and I was, and I was far from okay. And so it really negatively impacted on my mental health. And that's, as I say now, why I'm so passionate about talking about it because I don't want anyone else to have to suffer in silence mm -hmm. as I did for so many years. And I think so many people are still suffering in silence, whatever they may be struggling with, mm -hmm. whatever's happened to them, whatever their current life situation is or things that have happened in the past. So many of us are struggling and not wanting to reveal that part of us the outside world we're ashamed of that part of us or those parts of us and we don't want to reveal them but actually if we don't they just fester they this is what I realized they don't go away they just simmer in the background and eventually become an explosion if we don't actually look at it and, and get some help with it so um, if anybody is struggling right now I would say reach out to Somebody who you trust, whoever that might be, somebody at work, a friend, a family member, mm -hmm. a therapist, and just start to talk about it. Just take a step. Just start to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true, true. That is actually reminding me of one of my encounters with a psychiatrist. This is the, all the trauma which I've had in my childhood. 
and uh, there were a few triggers a couple of years ago in my life uh, that was creating a lot of anxieties. So, uh, because you spoke about this, that we should reach out for professional help. And I had a very devastating experience with a professional. You know, I don't know how it is outside, but in India, I've seen that the people are awakened, they are enlightened that, okay, they need to reach out to a professional about uh, such problems. But there are still so many apprehensions about it and people are skeptical about reaching <laughs> to the professionals. And also, you know, when you have such kind of experiences, so just to give you a little glimpse of what happened, I was really scared, of course, you know, because I thought uh, they're going to give me medicines and I don't want to get addicted. You know, all those, uh, what do you call, all those uh, myths which we have in our mind about a psychiatrist mm-hmm. or a therapist, I would say. Uh, but yeah. somehow, because I was dealing with it so strongly and I felt that I really need to reach out and speak to somebody. So I figured out some contact number, somebody who was like, you know, rated uh, best in that field and I reached out to one psychiatrist. That lady was like, she heard me and she said that, okay, maybe you know you need a minimum dose of this, this medicine. And uh, so that's how we started. And then next time after a week, I again reached out. So I do understand that everybody has to make money, you know, even that is a mm-hmm. business and they're also there to make some money for them. Absolutely appreciate it. But the fact which kind of disappointed me was like, uh, that you know, after my call and after all the payments and everything, there was a mid-time between my scheduled session that I was going through some really uh, strong anxieties, and I really felt that I should talk to a person right now. And uh, of course, you know, I was uh, long due uh, for my scheduled session, and I thought, what to do? I just called her up, and she was like, "Please make the payment and uh, take the appointment, and we'll connect on your appointment date." And I was like, you know, I'm, so the reason I'm sharing this experience is like because there are so many people who will or would have come across this kind of experiences. Mm-hmm. And I really feel that there is a very thin line in different businesses. And especially when you are in this line wherein you are there to assist people, of course, you have to make money. But there could be, mm-hmm. you know, that could be dealt a bit more sensitively. Because mm-hmm. people are going through a lot and if at that point in time somebody says that, you know, go make the payment and take the appointment and I'll talk to you next week. I I don't know, I just felt it was so insensitive and I literally ended up crying on my own. And Oh God, that was really creepy experience. Yeah. Well, uh, you've raised a very good point because I went to see a few different therapists before I found one. I found that I really had a connection with and that I trusted and they were really able to help me and I had some terrible experiences like you mm-hmm. I had somebody t- tell me to stop crying so that he could write his notes more clearly oh. <laughs> he to, yeah he told me to, to stop and um and he got really sort of angry with me and I thought oh and and these were very difficult experiences but then it took me a lot more courage to be able to go back and find somebody else who could help me I don't know how it was for you but I would say never give up you know if you are struggling just keep going you will find the right thing for you but it it might not be the first person that you speak to and that's okay just keep keep trying you will find the right path yeah for everybody to understand it's it's more or less like you know finding a right partner in your life uh, yeah it may sound a little funny but this is a reality because even they are human beings i know everybody is 
having expertise in that subject, but still to be able to connect at that wavelength, you may not yeah. find the right uh, psychiatrist or a therapist in one go. So do yeah. not give up, you know, keep taking yes. your chances, keep going out until you really find that person. And yeah. this is your responsibility to make sure you find someone because you do need someone if you're going through such mental problems. Do not just sit in the corner and cry. Absolutely. And if you can find someone who's compassion focused, mm. that's the best kind of therapist because yes. then they would they will be coming with compassion in every aspect of how they interact with you. So I find that's very much my approach is compassion based. Absolutely. And I would also add on to that, that try to be as compassionate as possible towards yourself as you show mm. to somebody else. So yeah. Before expecting it from somebody else, you need to show compassion to yourself. So, yeah. But that can be the hardest, Kashira, can't <laughs> it? You know, to have that compassion towards ourselves, it's yeah. definitely a process. Like yeah. I found, yeah, it was the hardest, the hardest thing, but actually, the most beautiful thing when you can, when you can get to that point, yeah, and you can start to see yourself through a compassionate lens, then everything changes. Yeah, I think. So many of us, we're so hard on ourselves, we criticize ourselves, we judge ourselves, the harshest, don't we? You know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't criticize anybody else like that, yeah, the way we yeah. criticize ourselves. Yeah. I ask, invite people to, to just be a little kinder to yourself today. Just start with that. Can you be a little bit kinder to yourself today? Yeah. And then see, tomorrow, can you build on that? Can you be a little bit kinder to yourself tomorrow? And just see where that leads you. Yeah, absolutely. So adding, adding to that, Liz, you are a public speaker. You've delivered so many global speeches and award-winning speeches. I want to understand from you, when you started, and even today, glassophobia is a fear with which a lot of people are going through. Even today, you know, I have seen people who are holding some top-level positions in the organization. Even they get, you know, sweaty hands and all the anxieties and everything before they really have to take the stage and go in front of a lot of people. And that doesn't mean that they are not good in the jobs they are, but then that is something very common to have that fluttering heart, butterflies in stomach. So I, I really wanted to understand that when you started, uh, was it that strong and what did you really do to, you know, keep it aside and still keep going and keep uh, striving hard? Well, when I first, I, I sort of had this vision of, of me being a speaker and mm -hmm. I was so shocked because I was terrified of speaking, absolutely terrified. You know, I really wanted to be seen, but I was terrified of being seen mm -hmm. because I had all these deep-seated beliefs that I wasn't good enough and then I, every time I stood up, I thought everyone was going to reject me. You know, unconsciously, that's what I was holding and so... It was a terrifying prospect. So what I did was I joined uh, an amateur speaking association and I started to practice with them. So I got their feedback and I got to stand Oh, And I would come off stage and I couldn't remember a single thing I'd said. I'd be so terrified. Mm -hmm. um, I just kept going. I just kept going. I just kept doing it. I think that's you know, the best way to say it. I just kept doing it. And then I joined the professional speaking association and that was another level because you know that's full of very uh, highly experienced speakers and I entered a speaking competition 
It was just five minutes. I had to do a speech in five minutes. And I thought, you know, let me just get the courage to do that. But then I won the competition. Wow. And I was really shocked. Because uh-huh. then I had to go through to the national semi-finals and the national finals. And suddenly I was on this really big stage. Um, but I just... It actually led me to getting my PTSD diagnosis because every time I shared my story, I was being re-traumatized. And I thought, this can't be right. In me wanting to share my story, it can't be right that it's hurting me so much. Mm. And so I ended up asking for and getting the diagnosis and treatment. So actually, it's helped me in my recovery journey. My public speaking has helped me because it sort of forced the trauma to the surface. Yeah. And then I was able to get it healed. Um, and now I can talk about that as well, about that whole sort of process. But I still get nervous before a talk. But, you know, I know a lot of professional speakers, they all get nervous yeah, before true. they talk. And actually, I think it's just part of our adrenaline kicking in. Or it shows that we care and it shows that we want to do a good job. And I think, you know, it's just about... For me, mindfulness has helped. It's about embracing it all mm-hmm. and then just doing it anyway. And I think this is something which even I've experienced from the time I started uh, on this journey and even today. Uh, there's still a lot of work which uh, has to be done further in my career journey. And I really felt that one is this mindfulness. If you are there with all your senses right in the situation, uh, even if you forget your words, your sentences, you will be able to say something out of it. You won't go blank. I think this is what happens, you know, because you don't know what is your script written. You really have to be present in the moment and to be able to interact and say it out. So being Hmm. mindful does help a lot. So even if you're going blank-minded, it will give you words to talk given uh, your audience and you will be able to interact with them. And second thing, as you uh, importantly said that, that is like, get used to your fear. Yeah. Just do it so much that it it stops scaring you. You will have those anxieties and nervousness, but just do it so much that, you know, the moment you get on stage, you feel that, okay, this is my place and uh, you can take it over. So I think, yeah, mindfulness and getting used to your fears has helped me out a lot and, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and practice. Practice, practice, practice. practice. Yes. Practice, practice, practice. Being mindful and uh, accept that fear is a common thing and you're not the only one who is going through sweaty palms. So it is absolutely okay. You just don't have to show it out on your face with your trembling or fidgeting gestures. You don't have to do that. Just try to chain it down and channelize your energy and use it in your right words and say it out yeah Yeah. easy to say i know it's difficult (laughs) but this is something which a speaker like liz has been trying i have been trying on my journey and it's definitely which works so yeah i would definitely recommend these things to improve your public speaking yeah Definitely. And learn from others. So I, you know, I joined the Professional Speaking Association. So I watch other speakers Mm -hmm. and I learn, ah, okay, this is what they do. This is how they do this. And then I take these little gems from them and then I apply it to my own talk. So keep learning. Yeah. Keep evolving. Yes. Um, Absolutely. I'm a very different speaker now than I was, you know, when I started out. And this is something which I 
always tell people that your first speech will not be that good but that doesn't <laughs> mean that you cannot improve you have to keep evolving and you will keep evolving if you are determined to make change in your life yeah that's it yeah yes great just and take the courage yeah. feel the fear do yes. it anyway yes yes take the courage feel the fear absolutely as we wrap up could you leave our listeners or our viewers with a piece of wisdom or some practical tips as we've spoken about uh anxieties mental well-being self-worth fear of public speaking these are really the challenges with which so many people are dealing with every day in every encounter they have with people or they have with themselves so a piece of wisdom from you you know something which they can try in their life and which can help them in getting on their journey smoother um i would say you are enough Mm-hmm. just as you are and to really so in those moments when you're feeling all of these different things you can say to yourself i am enough i am enough um i am enough let that become your mantra mm-hmm. um before you're about to go on stage or before you're giving a presentation or before you're having a co- tricky conversation i am enough mm-hmm. i am enough and i accept myself mm-hmm. wholeheartedly I am enough and I accept myself wholeheartedly. I think that's a good a good thing to say wherever whenever you're struggling or feeling anxiety. Yeah. To remind yourself there's nothing you need to do. You are enough and that you accept yourself wholeheartedly. Yeah. 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 Back to self-acceptance and which is so important. Yeah. So important. Yeah. that wherever yep. you are in your life uh wherever you are in your mental health you have to accept yourself to let yourself yeah. evolve and i'm sure you will be able to find a lot of solace within you i think that is something which we need instead of asking somebody else to give us that kind of support or comfort it is yeah we who have to comfort ourselves so that is something really important Yeah and there's no way you need to get to right here right now whatever you're feeling it's okay it's yeah. okay if you're struggling it obviously on one level it's not okay but it is okay it's you know it's accept it accept it as it is and then take a step forward from there yeah yeah everything yeah. is accepted yeah exactly and it just reminded me of a very interesting line which i always uh, keep it in my mind that it's okay to not be okay It's okay to not be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's okay to be okay. It's okay not to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> All of it is okay. Yeah. Acceptance is the is the key because once we accept where we are, mm-hmm. then we have a choice about what to do next. But most of us are trying to resist reality. Yeah. We we shouldn't be feeling like this. We don't want to be feeling like this. We should be feeling something else. Just let it all go. Mm-hmm. Just accept it. You are enough. Yeah. and accept yeah. where you are yeah absolutely though i was wrapping up this conversation but again you know i uh, just want to say it as a concluding note to everyone that authenticity as we have spoken that authenticity is so important uh i have seen so many people who are going through basic 
problems in their life really basic things but i don't know why we are scared to voice it out if you have a problem any challenges instead of saying that okay what other person will think about my problem or whether they'll judge me or not look people will keep judging you and it should not impact you trust me i am coming from that same lane of uh, full of self doubts that what will happen how will people see me what will they think i cannot do this i cannot do that but the day i decided that i have to deal with my basic problems and be vocal about it that day everything changed for me and uh, yes that day everything changed for me and i think this is actually the foundation of simplifying life with kashira my thoughts that because they really feel that our lives are so simple is that our life will it extremely simple we complicate it with our thoughts and the day you will show courage to yourself to be authentic and say what you feel like ask whatever question you feel like you will stop feeling all those self doubts and all those insecurities because that gives power when you accept yeah. yourself as you are ah i love beautiful to hear kishira i love it <laughs> yeah yeah that's really powerful and i really would love for people to uh take this lovely wisdom from our conversation and implement it in their lives if we can help out or touch even one life we'll be blessed absolutely that's yeah. why i speak up yeah yeah absolutely thank you so much liz i know there have been so many technical problems today but still <laughs> i appreciate your patience you've been there wholeheartedly and i thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and i think even i am going back from this conversation with some uh, amazing learnings you know one thing is like being strong in the mindfulness a topic which feels like so basic but it is really important to be mindful in so many aspects of our life so i am that is my takeaway from this call and i'm sure people will have their own takeaways thank you so much i really appreciate your time thank you so much for having me thanks all right thank you so much everyone bye bye and take care